Coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Spotify appears to finally be coming to American Tesla's Morgan Freeman shares his love for Tesla and Elon Musk and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning. It is the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast for September 11th, 2016. It's episode 58. My name's Ryan McCaffrey. I'm joined by a snoozing but comfortable Maggie the Boxer. Freshly clean. Gave her a bath last night. Uh, I'm. Does, does everybody else's dog hate getting a bath as much as mine? None. Uh, although, she doesn't really get a bath, per se. I take her in the shower, and we have, we have a detachable shower head that's on a hose, and then I just use, you know, use that. But boy, she hates it. She knows when it's coming to as soon as she sees her towel. In fact, as soon as she sees, like, the shower come on at night, she's like, uh-oh, that's going to be for me. But <clears throat> got her cleaned up, and uh, she's, she's good to go now. In fact, just got a... Uh, a full checkup for her, for those of you that like to keep tabs on Maggie the Boxer, my occasional co-host slash four-legged best buddy. And all of her blood work, everything came back great. So that is an awesome sign. You know, the, still, the rehab uh, will, will never stop for her leg, and hopefully we can continue to manage her, her heart condition well. So I'm happy to report that she is doing very, very well. Uh, in other news... I spotted the record-setting Pike's Peak Tesla. If you're not familiar with the car I'm talking about, you may have seen online. If you just Google Pike's Peak Tesla, uh, it should come right up for you. It's a Model S uh, 90D Ludicrous that was kitted out, that was more or less converted into a track-slash-race car. Uh, the interior was all ripped out, and just a couple of Bucket seats for front seats were, you know, lightweight bucket seats were put in. There is no back seat. Um, you know, they, it's it's completely kitted out, and it made a it, the, set the new record a few months ago for the fastest time up Pike's Peak for any production EV. And you may remember reading about it online because it actually was sitting. I think it was Electric that did a story on it. The car was sitting more or less abandoned at uh, one of the Colorado superchargers. And it finally moved out of there. And then, get this, I saw it in the San Francisco airport long-term parking garage. Uh, I, was, I was off to New York at the beginning of this week on business. And there it was. Uh, I was driving up the parking garage. And there, like on level three, I'm like, oh, hey, wait a second. I know that car. And, of course, it could only be one car. So I parked and took a closer look at it, and sure enough, uh, yeah, I tweeted out a picture of it. And funnily enough, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm just getting over a cold this week, my uh, Uber boss, Per Schneider at IGN, the general manager there and founder of IGN, he's got an 85D. He, uh, he let me know that he saw it in that same spot two weeks ago at, uh, at SFO in that parking garage. So... At least it's not sitting abandoned at that Colorado Supercharger anymore, but now it appears to be orphaned at SFO. So, I'll tell you, that is one expensive parking job to leave it in there for, for weeks at a time. Because that parking garage, that even though, even though it's the long-term garage, it is not cheap. Anyway, 
Uh, let's move on with the podcast this week. Just a few bits of Tesla news, a couple of interesting ones, a couple of fun ones, and then uh, one not-so-fun one. But first up, a company car, a manufacturer plate. Uh, in California here, you, get, you can get manufacturer plates if you're Tesla or another car company. So a Model S with manufacturer plates was spotted in the Los Altos Hills, which is not far from Tesla's headquarters in Palo Alto, and it was spotted with uh, LiDAR pucks strapped to the top of it, one towards the front of the roof line and one at the back of the roof line. LiDAR, if you're not familiar, is, stands for Light Detection and Radar. It's done via, with a laser that's, that goes out and uh, uses light to, to sort of read what's in front of it. And it is, it is a, a technology that is apparently um, f- fairly popular for the idea of autonomous driving. But uh, what's interesting about this is, as, as Tesla Roddy reminds us, Elon Musk didn't have the most glowing words for LiDAR as a, as a technology for autonomous driving back in October when he said, quote, I don't think you need LiDAR. <clears throat> Pardon me. Boy, I'm really sorry this week, folks. I don't think you need LiDAR. You can do all this, he's referring to autonomous driving, with passive optical and then with maybe one forward radar. I think that, I think that completely solves it without the use of LiDAR. I'm not a big fan of LiDAR. I don't think it makes sense in this context. So perhaps they're just testing all avenues uh, to see what, what's best. Maybe he's had a change of heart. I'm not sure. But the only question now, really is whether or not Tesla is doing some testing on level three autonomous driving or if this is some level four testing. Because, of course, as, as you uh, listeners to this podcast all probably are aware of by now, level four is the big one. I mean, it's not the, the highest level. That, that would be level five where there's literally no steering controls at all. A human cannot even operate the car. But level four is where... There is a wheel, there is pedals in case a human wants to take control, but the car is capable of doing everything. So uh, if, you, if you are, a, I know I've got plenty of Bay Area listeners to the podcast. If you live near Tesla, near that Palo Alto headquarters, keep your eyes open because you never quite know what you'll see. And in fact, on that note, if you're ever visiting the Bay Area, uh, whether you know whether you live here or not, I mean certainly if you live here, this is recommended. But even if you don't, you know the factory tour to do in Fremont is awesome. I've done it, but not since the Model S was first coming out. So I haven't seen the factory at its full capacity. I saw it when it was in its infancy, just starting to produce cars. But uh, I will say, go drive, just drive over, and just take a quick spin uh, around the, I mean, not, I guess, I don't know, I shouldn't be condoning this because I'm sure they don't want people walking off the street and doing this, but if you happen to find yourself near their Deer Creek headquarters in Palo Alto, the, the, there's such, you, you'll never see a larger concentration of Teslas in your life. The parking lot to the corporate headquarters is literally overflowing with Teslas. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. It's, it's crazy to see. Um, it's, it's just absurd. It's, they're going to have to, I suspect, move out of there at some point. I figure they have to outgrow that building. You figure with all the, with all the space in Fremont that they'll probably, I would suspect they'll just move 
corporate headquarters to the factory in Fremont with so much space there. But for now, they've still got Deer Creek, and it is it is a sight to see because it is just a a a sea of Teslas. Anyway, next story. United States Model S and Model X owners may, uh, pardon me, they may be getting Spotify very, very soon. This is uh, via Electric. Folks have been looking forward to getting their hands on Spotify for a while. As European Tesla owners, you guys have had it for quite a while. It rolled out for you guys a while ago. The wait appears to finally be about over. Sources told Electrek that the introduction of Spotify in United States Teslas is now imminent. Additionally, Spotify login information started appearing in Tesla's in-vehicle software source code in the U.S., but it's not yet made accessible to users. So it appears to be in there, it's just not front-facing as of yet. Uh, Electrek notes that this could be in the 8.0 software. We know that's a big software upgrade that's supposed to be coming within a few weeks. It might not quite be. Maybe it's going to come, who knows, it could even come a little before. Maybe it's going to come a little after. But it looks like it's going to be soon regardless. And I wanted to mention this to, to Model 3 reservation holders, such as myself as well, because, you know, again, it's always you always want to look at things. If you're a Model 3 reservation holder, you always want to keep a close eye on the S and on the X because things that are going on there, especially, especially on the software front, will apply. They will almost certainly trickle down, again, particularly on the software front, to the Model 3. Because So you really, you can look at this and say, well, Spotify is probably going to be in the Model 3 from day one, along with Slacker, which has been in every, te- well, every Model S and X from day one. Remember, though, that Elon has semi-recently said that instead of apps like the Slacker and the Spotify uh, functionality coming, that he might opt instead. He was talking about doing a sort of virtual screen situation, you know, where your car runs any info, in, pardon me, in any infotainment app just by connecting with your phone and putting whatever app is on your phone up on the big screen. So perhaps, you know, you'll be basically just turning the center screen, and you know, in the Model 3's case, the 15-inch landscape screen, and in the S and X, the 17-inch portrait screen, into a, into a virtual uh, phone, smartphone screen where with, via Bluetooth, you can go ahead and run Pandora, and it'll go ahead and, and it'll run it through the speakers, Pandora or whatever it is you want to run. I bring up Pandora because I am a big Pandora fan. I've been working on, on uh, curating my Pandora channel, my station, for probably a couple of years now, and I've got it to a point where I just, oh, it's like, it's it's real good for my taste. Like, I've just got it tuned so nicely that I would love to be able to be using that in my Tesla. So, either way, whether it's through a direct uh, Pandora app or whether it's through a sort of virtual, just smartphone interface, I would I hope I can get Pandora onto onto my Tesla in the future. I've got dozens of hours put into it. I don't want to lose those. In other news, if you remember that Model S fire that happened in France on that test drive, talked about that two or three shows back maybe, two, three, four shows back, Tesla thinks they've got it figured out. This is Electrek picked up the story. 
Tesla says that the Model S used for the test drive, which was, as we noted at the time, a 2016 90D model, that it had, quote, bolted electrical connections that were manually tightened by a human instead of by robots. So apparently uh, Tesla is saying that the Tesla is saying that one of those bolted electrical connections was improperly tightened, which caused the fire. Tesla's communication manager in France, a gentleman by the name of Charles Delaville, I hope I'm pronouncing that all right, he said, quote, Usually these electrical connections are installed by a robot, but for this car, this connection was installed manually. There's never been a similar incident in another one of our cars, end quote. And I'll tell you, it's a little bit disturbing to me. I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, I realize this was a one-off, and it has never happened before, as, as Charles mentions, but hopefully Tesla will improve whatever QA process is involved in this to make sure that this connection is properly tightened before a car goes out. I mean, you know, again, seems to be a one-off, but boy, if it's that seems like a bit of a vulnerability. So I hope that they address their process with that so that we don't see this happening ever again. Speaking of Tesla accidents getting a lot of press, there was another fatal Model S crash that occurred in the Netherlands. The driver, uh, his Model S left the road and hit a tree, and the 53-year-old driver was killed. The car caught fire, and the uh, fire brigade had to call Tesla to, with their, to get their assistance to help put the fire out because they were afraid of uh, electrical danger with that fire. Now, Autopilot was not engaged with this one, and Tesla has issued a statement. They say, quote, we are working with the authorities to establish the facts of the incident and offer our full cooperation. Thus far, we can confirm from the car's logs that Autopilot was not engaged at any time during the drive cycle, and that consistent with the damage that was observed after the vehicle struck the tree, the vehicle was driven at more than 155 kilometers per hour. Uh, of course, I needed to do the math on that, which uh, Electrek kindly did. For those of you also wondering, like me, that is 96 miles per hour. And it was a narrow two-lane road. So condolences to the family, certainly. But that is obviously a wildly unsafe speed. And not, a, a, not even a Tesla can save you from a tree at 96. Uh, and to elaborate, because, you know, a lot of the... A lot of the coverage from this was out of the Netherlands and then translated a frequent caller, supporter, listener to this show, Ramey from the Netherlands, called in to add his local perspective because he's been following it, following the coverage in its native language. So I want to go to the phones here. Ramey in the Netherlands, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is Ramey from the Netherlands. Uh, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit to you about the crash here in the Netherlands. Uh, because most of the information that I can read in English isn't as um, there isn't a, not not that much information, and of course I have read all the articles in Dutch, so I can maybe uh, tell you a little bit more about it. Um, so the maximum speed uh, at the place where the car was driving was actually 80 kilometers per hour, which is about 50 miles per hour. So the car was driving about almost twice as fast as the maximum speed limit uh, at that place. So uh, it was really an idiot driving that car. 
uh, that's one. He was not uh, using autopilot, but that's something uh, uh, everyone knows uh, by now. Uh, the problem with uh, firefighters, they couldn't, uh, they didn't have the guts to uh, uh, turn off the fire because they were afraid of electrocution. And this was uh, not without a reason because um, usually they can turn off the battery. Uh, but the problem was that the car was not on four wheels. So they couldn't get to the place where the power switch was. Uh, so that's the reason they didn't uh, didn't know for sure if there was high voltage on the car uh, and that's why they didn't uh, fight the fire with water or anything like that. Uh, in the end they decided to throw a lot of sand uh, from the side of the road over the car to get the fire off but that was a couple of hours after the car was yeah it, the car was almost completely burned out and the body inside the car was also uh, burned out uh, pretty much. Um, so anyway uh, there was also an expert they interviewed. One of the newspapers interviewed an expert. His name is Richard Schramm. And they asked this uh, expert uh, if any car driving this fast, like uh, almost 100 miles per hour, uh, would, uh, ha would he have survived in uh, any other car? And the simple, as uh, the simple answer is just no. It's impossible to survive uh, an accident at that speed if you hit a tree uh, at that speed. So that's the answer of the crash expert. Um, and also uh, that a normal car with just an ICE car would be on fire just as much as the Tesla was. But of course, uh, because of the Tesla has the battery, uh, the, uh, it takes longer for it to burn out. Um, uh, and the electrocution danger is a little bit, risk is a little bit higher. But usually uh, when the firefighters can reach the switch, then they can uh, make sure they can uh, turn off the fire uh, just with, with a lot of water. Um, so uh, that's my extra input on this topic. Uh, keep up the good work with your podcast, and uh, uh, I hope this helps. Thank you. To finish up this week on a lighter note, there are many celebrity Tesla owners. If you're ever curious, there's a fun thread on the Tesla Motors Club forums about this very topic, celebrity Tesla owners, uh, everybody from uh, James Hetfield, the lead singer of Metallica, who apparently had a black-on-black -black Model S, and maybe still does. Um, there's, I think, I think, I believe, oh, uh, Ashton Kutcher and uh, his wife, Mila Kunis, have an ex. There, been a, there, there are plenty of, uh, of celebrities out there, so it's, if you're ever curious, it's a fun thread with a lot of good, it's a bunch of just like TMZ pictures of celebrities getting out of their, their Teslas. But... Uh, here's one that I would love to interview, and not just because he has one of the most golden, incredible voices on the face of the earth, but he's a fascinating guy too. I'd love to talk to him about his love of Tesla. And that's Morgan Freeman. Turns out that he's a big fan of Tesla and of Elon Musk. Listen to this. Is it true that on shoots, you're sometimes checking your phone to see what the stock market's doing? Yeah. Any stocks in particular? I own Tesla. Tesla. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk's, and I think he's got the most incredibly forward-thinking ideas about where we can go technologically. He's, you know, what he's done is nobody else has ever done. He's landed a rocket ship, so it's reusable. You know what a feat that is? 
Now we're taking off, we're going to be going to Mars, delivering stuff to people who are going to be settling there, just like they settled the Old West, and bringing those ships back and landing them and reloading them. I'll tell you, if I could somehow get Morgan Freeman to read the little intro thing I do at the top of this podcast every week, then I would know I'd made it. That could be like, you know, my celebrity, celebrity uh, narrator for the top of the show. Uh, and I'll tell you, if I could, this would be the part of the show where if I could do a good Morgan Freeman impression, I would. But he is definitely not in my repertoire at all. Uh, but if that clip, which by the way, I should give credit, that was from CNBC. If it had been Mike Judge talking about how much he loves Elon and Tesla, I probably could have pulled off a good little bit there. Cause I could have said, I could have said, oh, uh, maybe Mike Judge could read the top of the show. Uh, maybe it could be, maybe, you know, and then he, and then it'd be, be Hank Hill from King of the Hill. It'd be like, coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Spotify appears to finally be coming to American Teslas, Bobby. Morgan Freeman shares his love for Tesla and Elon Musk, and more. Don't forget your propane and propane accessories. See? That's how, that's how it could go if that only would have been Mike Judge instead of Morgan Freeman. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm goofing around now, so uh, that is the end. Well, or it could have been Butthead. Same, same guy, Mike Judge. You're like, uh, like, coming up this week on Ride the Lightning the Tesla something or other, whatever. There's like a Spotify that seems to be like coming to America. <laughs> coming. Morgan Freeman shares his love for Tesla and Elon Musk and more. Anyway, uh, I'm getting off track. See, it's slow news week. This can happen in a slow news week. I know you're, you know, you're not looking for comedy with this podcast, but anyway, uh, that is the week's Tesla news. One of the slowest news weeks in a while, but a few, a few interesting things out there. Uh, what's definitely interesting are your phone calls. A lot of good ones. Once again, every week we've got some responses to some stuff from last week and then some other topics covered. Again, you guys just give the best phone calls. I love the participation on this podcast. We'll get to that in the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this. It is time once again for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, where you can call in anytime, leave a message about any Tesla-related topic. If you've got a question, comment, discussion topic, give me a ring. The toll-free number, or which you can call or Skype, is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And of course, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up this week is DJ from Ohio. He's got some comments on the supercharging credit system that we talked about last week. Uh, let's hear from DJ. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Ryan, DJ from North Central Ohio again. Uh, I was calling in about the supercharging. Uh, thought I'd just chime in a little bit saying, I don't think that 
having the per kilowatt usage uh, option is necessarily meaning that there's not going to be an all-you-can-eat option. I think there's absolutely still going to be that option. And as far as the economics of it, yeah, you probably aren't going to get your money's worth out of it, But and I'm in the position to do this, hopefully, but I kind of have the good feeling of, hey, I'm helping to build out the supercharger network if I'm taking the all-you-can-eat option. Again, I know not everyone's in that position, but if you are, it definitely helps out everyone in the future. So keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye. You're totally right, of course, DJ. I, I didn't mean to imply that Tesla would necessarily be getting rid of the all-you-can-eat option. I mean, they might, but if they end up making money on that, more often than not, they may very well continue to offer it. Uh, and and I, by the way, I can totally relate to your somewhat altruistic line of thinking behind wanting to go ahead and get the lifetime usage option if they still offer it for Model 3. I mean... For me, because, you know, because of course you believe in the, the Tesla mission, as I do, if I'm given a choice between the two, I'm not sure which way I'd go. I'd probably go a la carte just because saving that two grand up front and not having it sort of rolled into a loan that I'm, you know, paying interest on, not having that two grand up front might mean that I can get another option in, uh, instead that my budget might not have otherwise afforded me, but... It'll be good to have a choice, so we'll see. Next up is Walter. Now, it's got a few reactions to the supercharger credit thing. Next up is Walter from Vancouver Island. He wanted to comment and weigh in on the supercharging credits. Uh, he's curious if Solar City could tie into that somehow. So, Walter, take it away. Hello, Ryan. It's uh, Walter from Vancouver Island. Um, I, uh, listening to your... Uh, comments about the possible credits towards supercharging on um, Model S, Model X, and Model 3. Um, I can't help but think back to uh, a comment I had a while back on um, the Solar City purchase, and I, I had mentioned that uh, what a better way to uh, get a, maybe not a premium, but a direct a direct customer to all the solar city uh, power producers um, than having Tesla's uh, charging off of their system. And the fact that the term credit came up uh, is really perked my interest in this because you, they could direct bill with credit cards on file. They don't need to do credits. But if you're producing power, then you could go to the superchargers and use your battery bank, so to say, um, then they run a credit system and maybe you're not producing power. So then you go and buy credits. But what I think they're going to do is use the vehicles as the customer to the solar city, uh, clientele that are producing power and then, uh, have a credit system. So, People who do not have Solar City panels on their roof are purchasing with a credit card the kilowatt hours. Uh, people that do have the panels and a Tesla would be uh, putting power into the bank and then pulling power back out of the bank um, at possibly no charge. Uh, as I say, uh, just by the fact that it, the term was used as credit, uh, you don't really need to have a credit system if your credit card's already on file. So 
this might be this might be part of the Solar City Tesla tie-up, and uh, I think it's a brilliant move if that's the case. Anyway, love the podcast. Thanks very much. Bye. That is an interesting point I hadn't even considered, Walter. Thank you for your call. Honestly, I think it might start out much simpler than what you lay out, but I definitely agree that what you theorize could be part of the bigger picture plan down the road. So, uh, great stuff there. Thanks for calling in. Next is our friend Lawton from Chicago. We hear from him on a regular basis. He always has good calls. He wanted to weigh in on the supercharging credit system uh, and how the charging time affects congestion at the superchargers and uh, how that could be bad and how he has an idea for how maybe to combat that. So Lawton, take it away, my friend. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. Wanted to comment on the idea of Tesla supercharger credits. While billing based on kilowatt hours used is a good start, another factor to consider is charging time. Given the limited amount of supercharger stalls available, naturally Tesla would want to recharge vehicles as fast as possible. Supercharging is most effective up to 80% battery charge. Per the Tesla website, charge from, from 80 to 100% doubles charge time. With the ability to buy credits, some owners, particularly those that live in the city or rent with limited access to home charging solutions, may choose to solely charge at superchargers. This could significantly increase congestion, especially if they are charging up to 100%. Possible solutions include perhaps a tiered system where charging past 80% either costs more and or puts you at a lower priority. Combining automated supercharging and autonomous driving would also aid in increasing charging efficiency as cars that have completed charging to the goal level could be parked elsewhere. Look forward to your thoughts and insight. Keep up the great work. So a good point here, Lawton. Now, I don't think Tesla would actually go so far as to penalize people for charging their cars past a certain point. That's, that's a bit big brothery, and so far, that kind of corporate behavior has not been Tesla's MO. I think the problem that you're talking about, and I agree that it could be a problem if a bunch of new EV owners conditioned to filling up their ICE gas tanks to the, to, until they're full at every single fill-up, I think it's an education issue. Uh, I've heard Elon and JB address this before, in fact, recently, I feel like. Now, the cars, the Tesla's map software already tells you how much you need to charge up to in order to reach your next destination. I could see Tesla building on that over the next year plus uh, uh, leading up to Model 3. Maybe doing something like like adding a larger on-screen prompt, like just right on the big on the touchscreen that notifies you that, hey, you're good to unplug and continue onward. So I could definitely see them kind of taking it to taking the next step with that to help educate people. But a great call, Lawton. Thank you so much. Next up, uh, it's DJ again. DJ from Ohio. One more time. He, he's got another another call, but another solid point about uh, just sort of correct, not correcting so much as just uh, filling out a little information of what I talked about uh, recently with the P100D and the European equivalent of the EPA. So, uh, DJ, you're on the floor one more time. Hey, Ryan, DJ in North Central Ohio. Uh, calling in about the discussion on the Model 3's mileage rating and the psychological barriers that it overcomes. 
just a note to the to the folks, at least in the EU, um, a reminder that the EU regulators are far, far more generous on the mileage ratings. So, or I guess I should say kilometer ratings. Um, so if we do get a 300 mile rated car in the US, that very, very likely will still be a probably far more than 500 kilometer rating in the EU at least. Um, thought I'd kick that in. Uh, have a good one, folks. Bye. Another fantastic point, DJ. Thank you so much. We, as I said, this this did come up just a couple of weeks ago with with uh, one of the P100D leaks that happened ahead of the official announcement. Now, uh, the any it's the NEDC that is the European equivalent of the EPA, and to to sort of give you a good example, the NEDC rates the Model S 90D at 356 miles range. I mean, they're rating it in kilometers, but it's the equivalent. It's 356 miles of range. Meanwhile, the EPA here in America tags the 90D at 294 miles of range. So there is, as, as DJ notes, there is a pretty big difference between the NEDC's ratings and the EPA's ratings. Couple of more calls for you this week. Next up is Wolfgang. He wanted to call in to help educate me. I remember I mentioned uh, last week about, when we were talking about uh, ludicrous mode and how it does diminish. It's sort of a diminishing return depending on the state of charge. So he has some experience with that, with a ludicrous car in the family. So uh, he, I wanted some education and Wolfgang is going to provide that. So I turn it over to you, sir. Thank you. Hey, Ryan, this is Wolfgang calling from Ukiah, California. Um, I'm calling in the, the question that a caller called in with related to ludicrous mode. Um, I do not own a Tesla, but my dad does own a, a signature Model X P90D ludicrous. Um, we've had it for uh, just over six months now. And um, there's a couple things I wanted to note I think you were generally correct with your comments related to this, but um, the big limiting factor that I've been able to tell after doing, I think I had to do like four launches before there was one right after another, before there was any uh, reduction in uh, the performance, uh, is the temperature builds up in the battery. So it doesn't really seem to be related to the level of charge in the batteries, but the more launches you do closer together, definitely uh, it builds up the heat in the batteries. Um, and that's got to get cooled down. You can hear the fan uh, in the front of the car trying to keep that under control. Um, you know, and so, and then related to whether getting a ludicrous mode as an option, um, I mean, the cars are ridiculously fast and powerful on their own without uh, having had any extra. Uh, performance switched on. So for your day-to-day -day driving, it's not like you're going to go, oh, I'm going to go on a road trip or a cruise and now I'm going to put it in ludicrous. It's so fast that it would basically be uncontrollable in those situations. It's really for the, the uh, wow of being able to have a car that can perform at such a high level. Um, so my opinion basically is if you're trying to save money uh, in and decide whether to spend the ten grand or seven grand or whatever it's going to be for the Model Three, um, not getting the ludicrous 
shouldn't really affect the driving overall driving experience of the car. Um, so that's basically all I had to say about that. And uh, thanks for the podcast. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Wolfgang. So four back-to-back launches. That sounds about right from what I have read on the TMC forums. And, you know, you think about that and you're like, well, man, I can only, only four times in a row. That's not that great. But I suppose, you know, most people are probably only occasionally hitting it off of a stoplight or onto a freeway on-ramp. Like, four, most people probably aren't nailing it four times in a row. As for your advice, by the way, it's well taken. Uh, Ludicrous is sexy. It's very, very sexy. It's going to be interesting to see what the non-performance Model 3's time off the line is going to be. I mean, it, you know, as we know, it's, it's about four seconds flat or so. It's right about there in real-world testing in a 90D Model S, which is pretty darn good. So hopefully the dual-motor, big-battery, non-performance Model 3 will be similarly impressive. Last call this week is from Lucian in Melbourne, Australia. Another, another response to a call that I made. I was looking for some input from Australian listeners on the Tesla car insurance that is being sort of field tested there, as well as in Hong Kong. So uh, Lucian has a bit of a bit of uh, first-hand knowledge about that. So I will turn it over to him. Take it away. Hi Ryan, this is Lucian from Melbourne, Australia. Last episode, you wanted a Model Three reservation holder from Australia to call in and give some feedback on the Tesla insurance. So generally speaking, I would see that this is actually good news for us here. Um, bit of a story, my mom drives a Mercedes C250 and when she got into a car accident a few years ago, the insurance company that she was with at that time wanted to get the car fixed at a second-rate repair shop that wasn't a recommended Mercedes-Benz repairer. And they quoted, I think, around $15,000 to fix it up, whereas the recommended repairer quoted $25,000 because they actually understood the complexity and workmanship needed to get the car looking new again. And uh, obviously the the car was dear to us and we only really wanted to get it fixed at a recommended repairer. Um, In the end, we finally got our way, but it did took a lot of my time, like weeks of my time, to convince the insurer to get it towed to where we wanted it to be repaired. Um, And also, my mum wasn't even at fault, but uh, we couldn't prove it because we didn't have any dash cams. So she had to pay the excess as well as take a hit on her insurance rating. Now, had my mum been driving a Tesla and insured by Tesla themselves, that wouldn't have happened because uh, I wouldn't have needed to spend so much time to negotiate where the car would get fixed. Uh, That's number one. Number two is we wouldn't really need to worry about the repair quality because it's going to be repaired at a service center where we would have originally bought the car. And three, Tesla would know exactly whose fault it was. So I'd say that this is actually pretty good news for us um, uh, future Tesla owners, but uh, it'll be important to see exactly how much they charge and how much of a discount they're able to provide due to all their safety features. Uh, perhaps they could lower the premium if you buy the autopilot. I mean, Tesla keeps saying that if you if you buy autopilot, you, it's it's a it's a safer uh, it will keep you safer um, if you keep using it. So, I guess it's time to put the money where the mouth is. Anyway, great show. Uh, keep up the good work. See you next week. Lucian, thank you so much. It is great. It's great to have your perspective on this because uh, obviously I can provide none from here in the U.S. as I am not in Australia or Hong Kong. So thanks so much for that uh, that input. For you make some excellent points on on uh, 
authorized repair centers in the event of an accident and how, you know, a Tesla insurance company, how Tesla insurance, that's not going to be a problem with them. Whereas it maybe it would be with a, you know, with a sort of traditional car insurance provider. All right, that wraps it up for the Ride the Lightning Hotline this week. I remind you, of course, you can call in toll-free anytime, leave a message, try to keep it to, you know, a minute and a half or so, that's ideal. The number is 1-888-989-8752. And we'll be back with, of course, the Ride the Lightning Hotline segment next week and be back right after this quick little music break with some final notes for you right after this. Well, first up, I wanted to apologize for not quite being at my vocal best this week. I know uh, usually I'm a a bit more, hopefully a bit more polished (laughs) than what you heard this week. Uh, Still just, I I have asthma. I've had it my, since childhood. And I'm lucky enough that I'm, I'm at a point where, I mean, on the overall scale of things, I don't have it that bad. There are people that have where it is just a daily nuisance. It is a daily thing that they have to deal with. And I do have uh, an asthma, an, an inhaler that I take as a sort of preventative thing daily, but generally speaking, I'm pretty good with it. But it's when I get sick, when I get, you know, just a cold or something, that's usually, that's when it kicks in on me. And so I, I kind of got over the cold after my Disneyland trip. Just a, It was a little minor cold that I fought off pretty well, but somehow the asthma kicked in like at the tail end of it. And so now I've been trying to get over the, uh, the breathing difficulty. So my apologies for, uh, for not putting on my usual standard of broadcast this week. Uh, some quick plugs, though, before I go. AbstractOcean.com. I've actually been getting some feedback from, from listeners to the show who've been using AbstractOcean.com to grab some of their very neat Tesla accessories. They've got some fun lanyards for whether you're a Tesla owner or not. If you are a Tesla owner, they've got some cool LED kits, key fob pockets, like a silicone, silicon uh, key fob, no, silicone, I had it right the first time. Silicon Valley silicone key fob pocket to help uh, get a little literally extra grip on your Tesla key fob and help it, because uh, they're, they're slick little devils. And, and I think they might, uh, I'm not, I don't actually, I don't want to say in case I'm wrong. I'm not sure if they glow in the dark or not. They kind of look like they do from the pictures, but in any case, they, uh, those seem to be useful, according to the people I'm hearing from that are buying them. So abstractocean.com is the website there. Uh, Gene and the wonderful folks at teslarati.com, I have so much appreciate your support of the podcast, mentioning it uh, every week as the new episode drops. Dave T., uh, he's a new Patreon pledger. Appreciate your support, Dave, and of course, uh, He puts out a very fine weekly Tesla newsletter that you can sign up for free at teslaweekly.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. You can email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And if uh, if you're a Maggie fan, I do hear from folks who who like hearing about Maggie. Maggie actually has her own Twitter account, and I know you're probably rolling your eyes in disgust right now. But I promise it's not like that. I actually, I made her account before I made mine. And I made it literally as a way to, to, to document her life in photos. And uh, so, you know, I, do, I never really advertise it. I, I mean, I'm not looking for followers on it. And I'm not, it's just there. Like every tweet is a picture 
There aren't, you know, there's not like goofy, you know, uh, musings from the mind of a dog, but it's just all dog pictures. If you wanted to see some Maggie pictures, it's at Maggie the Boxer. Uh, what else can I tell you? Ah, the Patreon, of course. Appreciate everybody's support there. If you enjoy the podcast, if you if you find it useful and entertaining each and every week, I'd appreciate it if you would at least take a look at the Patreon page. Consider throwing some support. The site is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And the Tesla referral program is still rolling. We've got a, actually, yeah, one more month to go, about five weeks in the current referral program. So uh, that gets you, if you use this referral code, you'll get $1,000 off of the car you order, whether it's an S or an X. Uh, Kevin Rapp, who donated his code to be used on the podcast, gets some cool prizes. And I get a uh, basically a raffle ticket for a chance to win a Model X. So theoretically, it's a win-win-win for everybody. So if you're buying a Tesla, get yourself $1,000 off by punching in this into your web browser. It's ts.la slash Kevin4901. And that's it. Yeah, we're done. Let's see. That's all the everybody I think I want to mention. Ah, I mean, everybody knows how to probably subscribe to the show at this point, but it's on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or just the Tesla, uh, pardon me, the, the podcast hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And finally, I want to thank the Patreon producers. These are the kind folks who donate $20 or more to the show every month. And those Fine folks are Jeff Bartram, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Nick Hoffman, Ralph Weiss, Jonathan Wales, and John Waltauer. Uh, that wraps it up. Maggie the Boxer is asleep in the middle of the room. Boy, she looks comfortable. Uh, that actually looks really good. I'm ready to pass out, but uh, that wraps it up for this week's show. Thank you all again so much for joining me and just trusting me with uh, your valuable time, as I know it is valuable. And again, I apologize for my voice being, uh, being not super professional this week, but hopefully it'll all be better next week. Thanks so much, folks. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week.